You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center, this is Phoenix FM. This is 92.5 Phoenix FM, community radio for Dublin 15. Hey everybody, it's JB Jeremy Borash and you are listening to Daryl O'Connor on the... Welcome to the Wrestling Rewind. The only wrestling podcast by fans who don't hate wrestling. It is so unpredictable. How do you how do you predict what's going to happen inside the chamber? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the debut broadcast of the WrestleView Chamber here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. I'm sorry. Um, Of course, this is where we break down a particular topic. Myself and my guest. Unfortunately, I'm not joined by Corey McChrystal nor Gary Herden. However, I am joined by my WrestleView International desk host, Mr. Evan O'Brien. Evan, how are you, sir? I'm here. It's good to be here. It feels, it feels like I'm going to be on chicken out with Dr. Steve Brewer being on hold there for a while, but <laughs> good, to, good to get it on. Awesome, man. Um, I want to thank you again for taking time out to come out and uh, discuss this topic with me now. Um, we, as I said, it's a very, very wide-reaching topic, and a lot of people are interested in it. Now, it's been blown out of proportion in recent years by... You know, the WWE themselves, by the internet wrestling community, by several wrestling radio shows, by fans as well. So it, it's something that there's a massive amount of interest in and it's always discussed. Now it's become a selling point of WrestleMania in itself. Of mm. course, I just want to say right now, um, if everybody, if anybody wants to get in on this discussion, of course, they can text the studio 085-1050-181 and we'll read them out on air. But yes, Evan. There is a whole host of different questions here I want to ask you and I want to get into. But before we do all that, what is your opinion on the streak? And why do you think it's so important? I I think the streak is important as it's an integral selling point of WrestleMania. People are calling it a brand. It's not really a brand per se, but it's an integral part you have to have there to sell the show. And I, I think... 
get, getting the dream matches and building the card around stuff this year has kind of it's kind of taken away from the streak at the moment. They're trying they're seeing if they can experiment with other stuff on the card mm. to see if they can reduce the importance of the streak and eventually maybe phase out the Undertaker, I think. I think you hit on it there because they are trying to phase out the Undertaker. He's getting on in, in years now, he's coming up to if he wins, this would be twenty and oh. Um and you know, how long is he gonna keep going? But we get to that a little bit later on. Now I want to run down the actual card, uh, as it were, of Undertaker's nineteen victories. And then we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about them. So the first one began at WrestleMania seven, in which he defeated Jimmy Snu- Jimmy Snuka. WrestleMania eight, Jake the Snake Roberts. WrestleMania nine, Giant Gonzalez. WrestleMania eleven, King Kong Bundy. WrestleMania twelve, Diesel. WrestleMania thirteen, Cycle Sid, in which he won the WWF title. WrestleMania fourteen against Kane. WrestleMania fifteen against the Big Boss Man in the Hell in a Cell match. WrestleMania 17 against Triple H for the first time. WrestleMania 18 against Ric Flair in a no DQ match. WrestleMania 19, Big Show and A Train. WrestleMania 20, Kane for a second time. WrestleMania 21, Randy Orton. WrestleMania 22, Mark Henry in a casket match. WrestleMania 23, Batista, in which he won the World Heavyweight title. WrestleMania 24 against Edge, in which he also won the World Heavyweight title. WrestleMania 25, HBK. WrestleMania 26, HBK in a streak versus career match. And WrestleMania 27, which was last year, against under, uh, against Triple H for a second time in a no-holds-barred match. Now, some of these matches... I know people love some of these matches. Others, not so much. Um, there's definitely some stinkers here. Uh, the first four to five um, Psycho Sid definitely uh, the big boss man in the Hell in a Cell that goes in is probably one of the worst matches of Wrestlemania history uh, the big show versus A-Train um, and you know Gary's not a fan of the Mark Henry uh, Casca match at all but Mark, Evan, Henry, I, Casca, Mark Henry Casca match was alright like, but it, it didn't give a lot of time mm, I agree I agree I just want to get in there um, which matches stand out as poorer Wrestlemania matches for The Undertaker and which ones did you actually like as you mentioned first off the I thought the King Kong Bundy match was extremely poor mm, he was, was I, I thought the standard of work in that was absolutely dire but there isn't really a whole lot to say the Giant Gonzalez I mean he's one of the poor big men we've seen in recent years just uh, just taint my mind up throughout the years he didn't have a match at 16 though no. uh, did he oh, 15 was the big boss fan that goes without saying mm. But in recent years, he hasn't really had a bad match. Uh, but when they get to hold the finisher kickout fest uh, with 25 with Shawn Michaels, I really enjoyed that match. But mm. the one with 26, every time I go back and watch it, it just gets poorer and poorer. Yeah, definitely. It was one of the matches that they were trying to tell a story over actual content. Yeah. The, the match itself is poor, um, but the story going into it was so intriguing. The stipulation, had there was so much riding on this match that... It made it what it was at the time. I don't think it's aged well. I think 25 has aged far better. And I want that leads me into my next question. Which was the most important for you, Evan? The most important for me, Kane at 14 was a spectacular match. It, granted, it took him three tombstones to get Kane for the final pinfall. But um, 12 with uh, Kevin Nash was pretty good. I enjoyed that. Um, just trying to think up here. 19 no 20 with Kane was important I thought referring to the dead man gimmick was very nostalgic you really needed to have that gimmick back but I think it's been played out of the stage so 
Yeah, it, kind of, it, it was interesting enough, but um, it was pretty nothing. I think they only gave it about 10 minutes. But why was it so important? Why did you pick the second Kane match over something like a Randy Orton or a Mark Henry? I think you needed to. Have, I think you needed to have that as a kind of a a real important. You need you needed to have Kane as the guy who brought back the dead man. There, there was no other guy you could do that with. And Undertaker likes his time off in between Survivor Series and WrestleMania. I thought it was the perfect, perfect kind of uh, nuance to kind of ease back in the dead man gimmick because having a buried live match and you're not going to bury Vince McMahon alive. Uh, I, I thought that was just fitting way to reintroduce the dead man character I agree I agree wholeheartedly there now did you ever think there was a time when this may actually end not really I mean like once once they copped on this guy has a pretty pretty big winning streak I don't think he's ever lost to WrestleMania I think they kind of reinforced its importance now granted they, they've played out the whole I'm a young guy I'm going against you Undertaker and I'm going to end your streak they've played that out and what, what they're going for now is the old veterans trying to knock off the streak and trying to cripple the Undertaker and blah de blah de blah I, I think that's been pretty effective these last three four years mm. and I'll grant that I don't, I don't think I don't think the Undertaker is going up against a veteran again unless you're really trying to break, bring it full circle with a guy like John Cena and did at, you, uh, maybe next year uh, was there ever a point um, in recent years against Batista um, or Edge or HBK or even Triple H where you thought right Undertaker's going to lose this I really thought I the only time I, it was ever in doubt was with Edge. I thought I I, I, thought, I, they know, I, agree. A, I thought they did a really good job building up that match. I agree. I that, that I was the, that agree. was the best Undertaker build I've, I think I've ever seen for WrestleMania. That's actually one of my favorite uh, WrestleMania matches from '24 um, against the, against uh, Edge. I, I didn't think I didn't think the match was all that spectacular, but the build for it was it really made you think that the streak was in doubt. I don't think anything they did within that match kind of went like ooh really kind of built towards the suspense of is he going to break the streak or is this going to continue mm. and did you not get this from uh, Randy Orton going in on the hot streak of the legend killer I, I, I was um, I thought it would have made sense at the time but I wasn't really watching wrestling at the time so I didn't really feel that sense of anticipation that the streak was going to end but watching it back and knowing the results it kind of took it away from me what about, what about Triple H last year Triple H last year oh there was no chance in God knows what that that streak the streak was going in last year. Even I I never thought with Shawn Michaels or Triple H that streak's going in. It's not going in this year at all, especially with it being nineteen and zero and going on twenty and zero. No, no, definitely not. I, I don't think you'd be crazy to put a bet in against the Undertaker this year. But there was a point last year when I thought they were going to do it, and Corey touched on this um, earlier on um, for our rest of you listeners that. Um, he honestly thought they were going to do it. Mm. He thought this was it. Um, it's kind of a strange mentality having them in the street with a guy like Triple H, because tri- Triple H has established himself. Mm. Uh, I, 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 I honestly don't think it would do anyone, any wrestler, any benefit, except maybe a guy like John Cena or a guy like um, if the streak was around and Hulk Hogan's day or Steve Austin's day. It would do do no one any benefit except maybe the top baby face of the company yes I agree and that leads into my next question when did it become a selling point of Wrestlemania when did it become something to be able to be used as a vehicle to elevate stars even when they lose to elevate I, I, th- I, I think when it got up there in numbers 
and they really kind of focused in on this guy's undefeated. And when you have guys like Randy Orton, guys like Edge, um, not really so much Mark Henry, guys like Batista, really, really giving The Undertaker a run for his money and pushing him to like 20, 30 minute matches, that's when it became a selling point. And do you think the placement of the card uh, was an indication of this? Because beforehand, even when it was a main event, like it was with Psycho Sid, and, uh, you know, pretty high up there with Triple H, it still wasn't a selling point. Mm. Because it seems to have been important then, but maybe not had uh, the aura that it does now. Yeah, they, they've really gone out of their way. I think I think Edge was the really, really hang, hammering home with Edge that the streak could be over. And, and they've never... It's always been either about the title or the feud, but with Edge, it was about the streak. And that's it. And uh, Gary and myself were talking about this last week, and he brought up a very good point that it was mentioned during WrestleMania 27. And after, after he beat Ric Flair, he looked at the camera and indicated... You know, indicated that he was undefeated, and the commentator said it. Yeah. But then again, when you have him teaming, uh, he was supposed to be in a tag team match at WrestleMania 19, but you know, uh, I was I believe it was with Nathan Jones, but Nathan Jones got injured and already they wrote him out, and he was in a handicap match with Big Show and A Train. It wasn't mentioned. Then McCain, it was mentioned again, just not really built up. Randy Orton, it was. Mark Henry, it was again. Batista really was an edge, of course. You know that's when we have the modern day kind of the aura around it. So it's very, yeah. very hard to indicate it because they were hinting at it for such a long time. It, it's always been mentioned, but the feud has always take, taken. Um, the feud has always been paramount, and the streak was secondary. But with Edge, with Shawn Michaels, and with Triple H, they've really hammered it home that these guys are trying to kill it. Yes, they're really trying to end it. Well not so much kill it with Triple H as as in oh, oh no he, he was pretty much trying to kill the Undertaker last year last year he was not this year you haven't seen the match yet he, he could well go out there with a sledgehammer and hit him numerous times until he doesn't get up again well I want to go there what do you think about uh, the, the match this year and maybe using the HBK matches as a as a barometer here do you think that they're going to try to do the same thing again I, or, I, I, go for it I think the Hell in a Cell is fitting, especially given the history of Triple H and The Undertaker in Hell in a Cell. Yes. But I don't think Shawn Michaels as a special guest referee is necessary at all. It's not necessary, no. At all. Uh, it, it's, it's not, it's not going to move any more bodies. It, it's not going to intrigue anyone. If anything, it's just going to get in the way. It, it's not going to be out the Hell in a Cell. It's not going to be out the match. It's not going to be out Triple H and The Undertaker. Shawn Michaels is just going to be a distraction. And you think and that, 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 is, that is not what you need on a WrestleMania card. And do you think they're going to use the cell at all? Do you think this is going to be like Hell in a Cell of old, or it's going to be like the recent Hell in a Cell, the Hell in a Cell we've seen at the pay per view? It, it's hard to say, but given Triple H and given the Undertaker and given it being WrestleMania, I, I, it's, it's, um, I don't think you're going to see a boring match. To be honest with you, I, I think given, given what I've already said and given the importance they put in this, I don't, I don't possibly think you're going to see something like Mark Henry and Randy Orton now granted that was a good match but it was just a match inside a cell it wasn't actually held in a cell match true true I, I totally agree um, the only problem is with gimmick matches at Wrestlemania um, th- as you said they can get in the way they can take away from the match itself they can take away from the story they can take away from the overall feud and my fear is that we're going to have something like we saw with the big boss man we saw with uh, Mark Henry 
and even Ric Flair to an extent because the match broke down at, at, uh, when he faced Ric Flair and it became a bloodbath Gimmick matches are fine as long as they don't really obstruct the show or obstruct anything to do with the show or maybe mainly obstruct um, the audiences for second well, that, that's exactly that, that's exactly what Hell in the Cell is going to do basically yeah, sorry it's, it's, an, it's an outdoor stadium and you have a cell and you have guys right up there in the top deck of the stadium and granted you have the big rig set up and then you have the cell so you're got, you have two obstacles to, to try to see through and granted your position is also that's three obstacles yes so if, if you're if you bought a cheap seat you will not be able to see the cell in the cell match no you're basically just going to be looking at um on a screen or or a mesh fence and uh, you got the question of wisdom here because the big I, I do like the outdoor SMAs I think they're very very cool looking and it, it's definitely a cool dynamic to have there it's a, it's a unique perspective to see wrestling outdoors because it's very very rare that it actually happens but you know with the lighting rig it can be annoying with that big cube thing it can also be annoying to put a cell there the way they do Hell in a Cell matches by not leaving the cage and by basically just having a match with a, a big mesh around it. I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's it's something that really needs to uh, to be tried out and it will definitely be an indicator now on Sunday if this works. And if it doesn't work, maybe that's going to be the end of the Hell in a Cell on, on, a, on WrestleMania cards because, you know, we saw the Big Boss Man match and I want to get your opinion on the Big, Bo- big Boss Man match. I, la- I, haven't actually, I haven't actually gone out of my way to see it, to be honest with oh, you. Oh, you've never seen it. Okay, well, this was the last time the Hell in a Cell was on WrestleMania. And it was a, a match with the Big Boss Man at the time. They were doing a corporate ministry thing. And it was a... It basically ended with a hanging, a public hanging in Philadelphia. And it was disturbing, unnecessary. Um, the match itself was god-awful. Um, and it, it did nothing. It was just there. The, the match was very very quick Undertaker pinned Bossman very very quickly and then you only used the cell to hang him that was it so you know they have, a lot of people may have seen the Triple H match the two Triple H matches beforehand and you have something to, bear, to, to compare but look as bad as this match may be it will not be as bad as the Wrestlemania 15 match I don't think it's going to be a bad match at all at all no I, I like last, last year's Wrestlemania was okay like because there were people complaining that they were lying around too much well these guys are throwing finishers at each other yes I'd rather see him ha- take a finisher and kick out and actually sell the thing than get up five seconds later and start punching again I agree I agree actually I, I want to uh, play some audio here I pulled from WWE.com um, with several superstars talking about the streak so here it is guys I honestly think WrestleMania's kind of become Undertaker's show because of the undefeated streak. That may be the ultimate record that will never be topped. The streak is magic. That match itself is almost as big as a, a title match, if not as big. The streak has become the biggest money match in WrestleMania in a lot of ways. The undefeated streak has become something larger than life. No one will ever stop the streak. You look back at all the people over the years, from Jake the Snake all the way through the, the Diesels and the King Kong Bundys, all the way 
way through to, to Rick and Sean, and it's just, a, it's really a who's who. How many WWE superstars would love to be able to say, I've never lost a match at WrestleMania? And not only that, to have been in as many matches as The Undertaker has had at WrestleMania. It seems like everybody wants to know, who's he going to fight? Do you think they have a chance to beat him? Saying, I'm, you know, so-and-so, and I beat The Undertaker to finish his streak at WrestleMania, that's probably the biggest bit of bravado that you can ever have as a performer in the WWE, and everybody's vying for it. Well, there you go, Evan. Um, very interesting comments there, and on tankwwe.com for um, that audio. So, basically, would you? My question here is: Would you agree with what um, the several talents have said there? Um, it's as big as a title match. It's maybe bigger than a title match, and in this day and age, that's the biggest bragging rights you can get. So, what do you think, Evan? I think it's a bigger than a title match because how many times we've seen the titles change hands at various B pay per views and. Um pay-per-views throughout the year such as Survivor Series and Royal Rumble because you're going to see that in every card but you're not going to see a The Undertaker streak no you're, you're not going to see that I don't think it's ever going to end to be quite honest with you unless you want to give it to John Cena down the road well that's, a, that's a, here's a question I have for you as well do you think who would you like to see The Undertaker um, face at WrestleMania or even better again who are you sorry he didn't face at WrestleMania to be honest John Cena that would or be the match that, that that would be the match. Like if if they walk away without having that match, it's going to be absolutely ridiculous. Well, do you think having him gone against John Cena is a bit redundant? Because in the fact that John Cena is probably going to beat The Rock, so he's going to go over an attitude era guy as it is. Would you not think maybe someone like Sheamus or Wade Barrett or even Randy Orton again would would probably be better for him as a younger talent? And of course, Randy Orton there maybe wouldn't go over. Maybe maybe CM Punk. I I, I think. CM Punk or Randy Orton would be vital but Sheamus or Wade Barrett I think you'd have to build those guys up a small bit more to have him, them go against Undertaker and have the audience view them as a legitimate threat mm. because uh, but getting back to the John Cena thing I don't, if John Cena goes over the rock that, that's, that's the only feather he needs in his cap I, like he could lose against the Undertaker but then again you still, you still need to see that match yes you do that's the match that match needs to happen um, like the result and um, we'll go off topic a little bit um on Sunday, if Cena does not beat The Rock, this whole thing has been for for no reason. Um, the Rock and John Cena is probably going to be the biggest match in recent years, if not in history. Not since uh, Warrior Hogan or Rock Hogan has there been such intrigue in a match. Austin Rock, you know, you have all the history here. You have the work that they put in. It's been a bit lackluster at times, but. Um, at the end of the day, this is going to draw on casual fans. People are coming up to me constantly going, Dara, look, The Rock's fighting at WrestleMania. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Uh, but then they go, they also mentioned in that breath, is The Undertaker wrestling? Because they know at WrestleMania, they always know the main event, but they also know The Undertaker's going to be there. So I agree with you. I think that it is bigger than a title match. It has a special aura around it. And when it does end... It will be a very, very sad time because we will not have that. I don't know. I don't think there's anything that's going to be able to actually replace that. At least not for another five, ten years. I think. I think when it gets to the per- to the point where the Undertaker is just physically, emotionally, mentally broke down, and he just—it's absolutely one hundred percent impossible for him to wrestle another match. That's when the streak ends, or when the streak will finish. Yes. And when I say finish, it'll just. It'll remain undefeated. 
I agree. No, I agree. So, the last word on this, Evan. The Undertaker streak will never end. Do you agree or do you disagree? As in, he will never be defeated at WrestleMania. I agree, provided The Rock doesn't beat Cena. So, if The Rock beats Cena, they're going to have to get get that rope from somewhere and it'll come from Undertaker? I, I think so, but the idea of The Rock beating Cena is ludicrous. Yes, I agree. I agree, it is. It's crazy. And if that happens... Um, Shame on WWE. But hopefully it won't. It remains to be seen. And of course, guys, WrestleMania is this Sunday. So, you know, do check it out. It's the biggest event of the year. I so, uh, I can't wait. I'm very, very excited. And Undertaker will be going for his 20th victory at WrestleMania inside Hell in a Cell against Triple H with Shawn Michaels as the referee. So, Evan, I want to thank you so much for coming on uh, to the inaugural edition of The Chamber here on Phoenix FM 92.5, sir. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Okay, folks, again, thank you for listening in. We'll be back next week to look at WrestleMania as a whole, um, which has been the best WrestleMania and which has been the worst WrestleMania. I will probably be joined in studio by Gary Herden and also uh, by Evan O'Brien and Corey McChrystal on the phone. So, until next week, folks, enjoy WrestleMania. Thank you so much for listening. And no matter where you're listening to us, I've been Daryl O'Connor from my co-host Evan O'Brien. Good night and enjoy WrestleMania on Sunday. You have nothing else to do on a Saturday. Do you like nerd things? Now check out Nerd to Know Basis here on Phoenix 92.5 FM, 5pm to 6pm. And then head over to nerdtoknowmedia.com for all of our shows as part of the Nerd to Know Media radio network. It is so unpredictable. How do you, how do you predict what's going to happen inside the chamber? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the WrestleView Chamber here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. Um, of course, this is where we break down a particular topic. Myself and my guest, I am joined by my WrestleView International desk host, Mr. Evan O'Brien. Evan, how are you, sir? I'm here. It's good to be here. It feels, it feels like I'm going to be on chicken out with Dr. Steve Brule being on hold there for a while, but <laughs> good, to, good to get it on. Awesome, man. Um, I want to thank you again for taking time out to come out and uh, discuss this topic with me now. For our 2011 year in review portion of the show, now keep in mind, this is a long segment, no breaks on 
till we get through most of this. I am Dara O'Connor, joined by my co-host Evan O'Brien and our special guest for this segment, Mr. V, Mr. Anthony Valvo, the hardest working columnist in professional wrestling and host of the Teacher Down. How are things, lads? Uh, things are going good over on our end. How are you doing? Very well, man. Very well. It's a, it's a cold, it's a cold uh, month over here now in Ireland, so a lot of people are sick. So Yeah, I, yeah it, I guess it's spread around the, uh, North America as well because a uh, few people that I've talked to, they're under the weather. I'm under the weather, but, uh, but I'm happy to be on this show with you and uh, Evan. And- of course. Mm-hmm. So do you want to take the lead here and uh, give, give me what you thought was the best moments of TNA wrestling and then the five worst moments? <laughs> well, there's a lot of worst ones. It's hard to fit a top five. I like to go with the bad news and then the good news first, or the good news last and the bad news first. Okay, go for And uh, do you want to alternate? Like I go first and you go with your first story and so forth, or yeah, that sounds yep. good to me. Okay. Uh, well, the first story that I thought was bad, and we completely are in agreement with this, Dara, is the uh, Victory Road main event. Oh yeah. Uh, you have Sting who just won the title, uh, leading up to this, this pay-per-view that was already bad from the get-go up to this main event. And through the smoke and the dark lights comes Jeff Hardy, who looked like a homeless guy looking for booze. He just looked awful in no shape. And this came to a point where TNA even admitted this was crap. And they actually gave people who can show that they legally paid for this pay-per-view six free months of their TNA programming online. That's how bad it was. And keep in mind as well, Jeff Hardy at this point was their big, their big star. He was, you yeah. know, they, they were trying to build a company around him. They were, you know, there was talk of mm-hmm. them putting the belt on him and him actually going over Sting. But when he came out of that tunnel... You know, I was watching this live and a lot of people were joking, saying, hey, he looks kind of velvet. But, you know, the joke is Jeff Hardy always looks kind of velvet. But the minute this match started, you oh, knew yeah. something was wrong. You could tell. Yeah, you could tell something wasn't happening. And they, they've done it before. Somebody didn't show or there are some issues and they replaced that wrestler with somebody else. And that would have been fine. But to let, to, and TNA should be accountable as well on this, not just Jeff Hardy. For throwing him in there for ninety for a ninety second main event. When you think somebody would have, you know, before he went to the ramp, would have said, "Hey, look, you're not going out there like that." So yeah. they did drop the ball there, and that was the criticism leveled at TNA at this time. That why yeah. wasn't he stopped? But I would admit now, Jeff Hardy looks like he's kind of resurrected, kind of like reformed himself a little bit. Mm. Um, it, it's a big wake up call because I think even he knows he if he messes up again he's not coming back no he's not coming back to tna and he's not coming back to wwe that means money and i don't know if money means anything to him but money should mean something to him at this point in time as well you know he's had his run with the wwe i think he's burned his bridges there um by going to tna so you know we just i've said this before i think he looks a lot better in the ring he looks clear he looks clean Mm -hmm. um he's not botching things as much things as much as he was yeah so I think he has made, I think he's turned a corner here with this now. And I don't think we'll see something like this happen again. If it does, you know, that's him finished. He's done. Yeah, he's he, absolutely done. I mean, it was kind of funny um, how 
three years ago, we said that Jeff Hardy was the screwball and Matt Hardy at least had a good head on his shoulders. And now it's the other way around. Mm. What a difference a year makes because, you know, a lot of people were saying last year, Jeff Hardy's going to die within a year. Uh, You know, Matt has a good job. You know, he's on SmackDown. He's doing all this stuff. And now, bam, fired from from SmackDown on TNA, fired from TNA. And now just um, having more mug shots than, uh, than, I don't know. I've never seen somebody fall from grace such in such a quick time. He, <coughs> excuse me. He kind of reminds me of uh, that drunken party girl thinking every song's for her and she just falls over. That's what Matt Hardy reminds me of. But um, another story that I thought was the worst, and I know I might get a little gripe on this, but Gail Kim coming back and winning everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought, you know, and we'll talk about this partial story like when we go to the best but I thought you put Gail Kim in there at least Gail Kim let her work her way back up she was in the WWE she was not that great in the WWE maybe they didn't have anything for her but she comes back to TNA and she is spoiled rotten and to the people that actually work their butts off all year Gail Kim comes in and just takes everything away. And I don't know. I mean, it's probably not all Gail Kim, but booking should have known better. I thought that was a terrible thing to do. Well, keep in mind, this is, this is what TNA does. You know, they had Gail Kim there for the longest yeah. time. She was, uh, you know, a major figurehead of that knockouts division. Had probably, she was. Had probably one of the greatest di- uh, divas knockout matches, call it what you will, in professional wrestling history. On that's what what it's been touted at on the internet, and a lot of people share that opinion. She goes to the WWE, isn't used at all um, the way she felt she should have been used. Leaves, throws her toys out of the pram, and then comes back, and she just handed everything. That was yeah. always going to be the way because she was on the WWE. The flavor of the week. Yeah, and and now look at them. The whole division is completely smashed. Yeah, and they did that with Winner. They did that with Mickey James. Mm. They did that with Tara. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, t- and and they continue to do that. Some of those. I mean, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Some of those I think work better than Gail Kim. Like when Winter came back, she looked phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm a huge fan of Winter. Um, I thought Tara was a little bit lackluster. Mickey James, we we seen what well, that happened Mickey when James. she went again oh. uh, with Gail Kim. That was a horrible match. Mickey James is going to hurt somebody in 2012. You can, you, can def, you can definitely put that in the bank. She's going to seriously hurt one of those knockouts if she does one of those Mickey DDTs again. Because oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it almost happened to the Angelina Love a few months ago. It did. Almost it did. did. It did. And when she's in there with Velvet as well, it's kind of a little bit, oh, watch what's going on there, you know, because I think you're right. As, as horrible as that is to imagine, I think you're right. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but... It just seems like two years ago, we were talking about the knockouts, the diversity, and the talent that they have. Mm. And now, they gripe about saying, oh, we're not like the WWE, we're not divas. Well, now it's kind of looking towards that direction, isn't it? I think it's worse, because at least with the divas, they don't hurt each other, because the matches don't last long enough to hurt each other. Yeah, they're not like like three minutes long. Uh, Another, do you want to go with your uh, next one, or do you want me to just finish up mine, or... 
Uh, well, since we're talking about injuries, um, one oh, of the worst ahead. moments for 2011, in my opinion, was the injury of the motor motor city machine guns uh, at two totally different times. And you know, for the longest time, the mid card of uh, TNA programming has been based around these guys, be it as a tag yep. team or be it separately. And when you take out the two of them, you, I know they're they're flippy, flippy, flippy flips, but. Yes, it's so important for their programming and for the fan base that when these guys are gone, you know that's really missing. Because who do you replace them with? They've tried it with Bubba and uh, Ken Anderson and the rest of the clowns that they have. They're even bringing in uh, Devon's sons, and it's just yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it is. It, it, it's horrible. So um, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you because look at where the tag teams division was. It was pretty somewhat deep earlier in 2011 and then we're talking 2011 in december and what true tag teams are there in tna none there are none and the mercy machine guns was the glue that held that division together because yeah they were flippy flippy but they were very consistent they had great chemistry with each other and they made sure that they had great chemistry with their opponents they helped Beer Money have those good matches. Beer Money probably helped the Mercedes Machine Guns have those good matches in 2010, 2011. I, um, it, it's very disappointing to see it happen, but if they, if they um, recover quick and they recover safely, I think they'll, they'll, they'll start shooting in that tag team division again because right now when your tag team champions are Matt Morgan and Crimson, which, are, which is a makeshift tag team, and they have this wild card makeshift tag team tournament now that's going on in Impact. It's dangerous, and it's kind of um, it's kind of disappointing to see where their division is when the WWE actually has a little more depth in their tag division than which this is, company. Which is something compared to two years, and a lot of people were saying, "Well, at least oh yeah, it's it's crazy when you think about it." But um, mm-hmm. I agree with you. The motor the motor city machine guns were the glue that held not only the tag division but also the X division together because right. you could you know, take out bits and pieces and slot them in. Mm-hmm. And now they're just gone. And it's just, it's one thing. And after now it's another. like, it's hey. one thing after another. It really is. Another one that I've mentioned that was the worst was, um, and I'll go over this real quick. The uh, feud between Devon and, and D'Angelo De Niro. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, D'Angelo De Niro had a pretty good uh, run when he debuted. I thought he had charisma. And then after Bound for Glory 2010, it just fell out. The bottom fell out for him and he's just sunk. And throwing him in the storyline where he is corrupting Devon's boys. I mean, it was bad and it should have only lasted maybe a month, but they dragged that on for months. And I just, and the payoff was just like, uh, okay. I mean, I thought this was one of the worst feuds of the year. If, if you consider it a feud. Well, here's, here's my major question and critique of that. Why should we care about Devon's sons? I hate it whenever they put family in there, you know? I hate whenever there's like, that's why I guess I, I mean, and I didn't put it in my worst list. That's why I hate this Garrett Bischoff, Eric Bischoff thing. Mm. Because I'm like, I don't care about fam putting family or sons or daughters in there. I want to, I know pro wrestling's a soap opera. I don't want to make it look like an obvious soap opera. Yeah, and that's all that does. Uh, it's mm-hmm. the same when they have uh, relationship angles. It's just like, yeah, this is yeah. just a soap opera. Yeah, whatever. Mm. 
But I want wrestling. You <laughs> <laughs> want wrestling, but you know, funny enough that you bring up um, the Eric Bischoff stuff because that's on my list as well. Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan staying, and oh yeah, you know, they came in with such build and pizzazz and excitement. Nothing mm-hmm. happened, and now they've also leveled out, and they're just rolling around in sewage. <laughs> that's all it is, and. We're, we're not even getting the good Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan. We're just getting absolute tripe. We're getting the drama. Yeah. I mean, Eric Bischoff, I think, still has a little bit to offer. Hulk Hogan has nothing to offer. He has a lot of problems that he needs to fix. Mm. And I think that might have been one of the reasons why he hasn't been on TV in a while, mm. which I'm not complaining. Oh, yeah. I think Impact's been a lot better since Hogan and Bischoff have been like not regulars on the show. Well, see, I, I still have a soft spot for Eric Bischoff when he comes out because I think he's still a very, very good promo guy. Yes, he is. But the, the content and what they've been doing with him is just so bad that mm-hmm. I just, I, you know, you have to fast forward through it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to save num- my number four for last. I'm going to say this. The worst in TNA is the now lack of tag teams, the X Division, and the knockouts. The knockouts is not that deep anymore. There's the, everybody kind of is the same. I'll admit they're giving them a little bit more stories, but there's no depth there. Mm. Tag team, there is none. The X Division, I think right now is Austin Aries is the X Division, and then there everybody else is way behind him. Mm. I can't think of another person that can represent that division for TNA than Austin Aries. I mean, I would if if I was TNA booking this thing. Aries would be my champion until someone steps up. And if it takes over a year, then it takes over a year and Aries has that title. That's the direction you should go in. Like, we're not fancy booking here, but we are fans of TNA. And I know it's very hard mm-hmm. to find them. I know you're a, you're a fan of uh, TNA V. And I, I am a little bit. Um, I, I am getting a little bit now on there, but I'm hoping that I'm not standing on the rug and they swipe it for me again. Well, see, I've actually looked at my best list right now and you have Austin Aries TNA uh, yeah. uh, you know as being one of the major points of this mm-hmm. and you just got to think about it that it really is that direction they need to go in because that's what people want now they don't yeah Aries is, Aries is terrific um, I still remember when he was in Ring of Honor whenever I recapped the HDNet show he was a focal point in Ring of Honor he was the face of Ring of Honor he was their champion and he was a phenomenal Ring of Honor champion. I always ask myself, why did TNA release this guy in the first place? Because and I mean, I know it was backstage stuff, but man, Austin Aries was the best wrestler and the best promo cutter. And you don't get that in companies. He's the most TV radio of anybody that Ring of Honor had at that time. Left, Absolutely. And mm-hmm. we've we seen it when he went to TNA, you know, from his debut. He's just done so so much in such a short space of time that it's, it's phenomenal and makes up for a lot of bad things that TNA still do. But just yeah, mo- absolutely. Just, but just moving on there, one of the major reasons, I think, why um, the X Division has gone down, the, the tag belts have gone down, the Divas have all gone, is because they're still relying on, you know, the big pop of trying to bring in XWWE guys. And you're, you're right. Your prime example of that is bringing in people like Braden Walker. <laughs> and China and all these other people who have come oh, in in 2011 yeah, that, I, I tried not to remember that I was like oh yeah she was on TNA for an episode or not an episode but it's pay-per-view and oh man as long as they keep doing that 
you know, you're not going to get anything consistent that people can get behind because all the goodwill that they garnish, they ruin it <laughs> by doing stuff like this. You know? My thing is, if you don't want to be like WWE, don't bring anyone from the WWE. Yeah. Definitely. And, uh, and, you know, even better again, don't bring WWE's rejects in. Yeah. about that? It's like... um. And we can relate to this in athletics uh, with you, with, um, foot, with your football, with uh, soccer and American football. If an athlete gets too old and loses a step, what do they do to this person? They retire. They cut, they cut back their schedule, they retire, or they just release the person. Mm. And they're doing that with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers now with Heinz Ward. I think he's gone. There are now, he used to be the best receiver on the team, but now age is coming up. And he's going to be probably released. He's now the number five or number six choice for to if he's open. Well, if there's five other people open, they're going to he's our quarterbacks are going to throw to someone other than him. TNA seems like okay. We'll bring this like um, washed up veteran in here, and maybe if we give them a couple victories, they win a title. People think they're rev- relevant again, and they're not. It, they- that's what hurts them. They can't be. So, yeah. they, they just can't be. In this day and age, you just you can't have something like that going on. You, you just can't. It yeah. always comes off as lame and tacky. Right. Go to the Indies. I mean, I know they're having a big Europe tour, European tour there soon. Look, scout. Heavily scout the Indies. Bring them in. And then either, you know, if they're tough enough, put them in mid-card feuds with, um, you know, a Kazarian or... Trying to think of other makers like a De Niro or someone like that. Instead of bringing in someone from WWE and have the guys that you're trying to establish get buried because of that. But looking oh. ahead, um, what are the points that Impact should try and correct? Should they just stop completely bringing everybody from the WWE, or do you think they should just bring them in as talent agents? You know, scale people from the Indies because I really do think that in 2012 they should just go out, look to Ring of Honor, look to uh, Gorilla Pro, look to all these places that have established talent, yeah. bring them in, get them TV ready, and your problem solved. Yeah, like I said, look at the indies. There are a lot of independent promotions in the United States. There's quite a few out there in your neck of the woods, in Ireland, um, in Europe with the UK, Germany, uh, and then Australia even. I mean, I don't know if TNA has the money to go to these locations, but if they're going on a European tour, scout those European talents. Because, I mean, there's a lot of talented uh, individuals that should get a shot, should get like maybe a week or two to see if they can. And mm-hmm. now with their uh, uh, developmental deal with Ohio Valley, you know, now you can start, you know, giving them a program, something consistent. There, there's really no excuse for them not to at this point in time, you know? Yeah. But that's why I'm, yeah. sa- I'm saying one of the worst things about TNA in 2011 was Impact. Mm-hmm. Consistently, there was not. Yeah, consistently. You're right. Because there were rare points in it when it was watchable, but on the whole, mm-hmm. terrible, terrible, and disappointing. That's why it's that's why it's number one up on my worst list because it's <laughs> just disappointing that that's out in 2011. And, oh yeah, uh, watching the show sometimes, I would I would DVR it and I would fast forward. I'm like. Man, I'm on the 15 minute mark and it feels like I've been watching this for an hour. Yeah. And that, that's like. But like I said, since Bobby Roode won the TNA title, it just seems like Impact's flow is getting a little bit better. And uh, 
And that's something we'll talk about a little bit later. I have something that's kind of funny. Okay. Maybe funny. Uh, you know that two is greater than zero, right? Yeah. All right. Two is the amount of world championships Ken Anderson won. Zero is the amount of titles that AJ Styles won all year. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this, is, and this is another one. One is greater than zero. The zero representing AJ Styles' uh, championship uh, wins or reigns in anywhere in TNA. And one is Anarchia having a TNA World Tag Team Championship reign. <laughs> and how mem- Does that tell you something? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. They're just not memorable at all. It's like AJ Styles, to me, has been the most consistent performer in TNA. And I know belts don't mean much. Titles don't mean much. I mean, but if I blew up TNA and brought in, you know, a handful of people, AJ Styles would be, rest assured, AJ Styles would be there well before Anarchia and Ken Anderson. And that's the and, way uh, and That's disappointing. And, that, and to me, that's the most disappointing of all is that a guy like AJ Styles did not have anything, did not have a championship around his waist in 2011. Well, you know, that, that's a whole combination of issues, I think, what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. It, it's, again, TNA just being, hitting the panic button and then just screwing everything up again, you know? Yeah. Because if they had have just listened to what the fans wanted, right, it would be very easy to do. And I know some people are going, well, you can't just listen to what the, van, the fans say because, you know, they don't book the show and all this crap. You know, when it comes to a company like TNA who aren't publicly traded... Mm-hmm. and they're in a small, for all intents and purposes, focus group environment, listen to those fans or listen to the people who buy your product and maybe they will buy more because that's who your target audience are. You okay. know, and... Yeah, yeah, I mean... Look at the buy rate. If you're... Oh, go ahead. Uh, for Destination X. Mm-hmm. It was, their best, it was their most successful pay-per-view. Yeah, and that's just... They did everything right. They didn't screw up. I mean, fans. They, yeah, they, they did not screw it up. Yeah, they gave everybody what they wanted. And it was a good formula, it was. and uh, yeah, it had everything they it had everything that the fans wanted to see in TNA. And then you know they say, "Oh, let's build back the X Division." Yet still on Impact, they're only giving them about you know ten minutes, fifteen minutes in a two hour show. It's confusing. Have you got any? Have you got any uh, a final pick there for the worst of uh, TNA, or do you want to move on to the best? Uh... If I had to pick anything on our list from the worst, it still has to be Victory Road. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's... Just because yeah. from top to bottom, it was... I mean, my little joke on my predictions column is that the person with the most losses, I'm going to give them... And I found a used copy of TNA Victory Road 2009 at a local shop here. I might just say they're getting a, a Victory Road 2011 DVD because it was worse. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad, bad, bad show. And I'm so glad that we got yeah. it for free because if I had paid for that, I would have been like a maniac. Just saying. Yeah. But, uh, hey, just think about it. Yeah, $35 for that. TNA should be shaming themselves for that one. And, they should, and, you know, they probably were. But, uh, but I'm ready to talk good news. I'm ready to talk about good news with uh, oh, yeah. TNA, though. But good news. And you know, uh, we have to give it a, a fair shake of the stick. Um, yeah. Well, I've already. I'm not one. Yeah, I've already. We're not ones that bash. Not ones that bash. No, there's no. There's no point. All right, sorry. There's no. It's crap. There's no point uh, bashing them all the time when they do good mm-hmm. stuff, you know. But uh, right. 
what was a good point about TNA in 2011 for you? I think the first thing we should talk about is something that we already talked about was Austin Aries. Yes. Um, the guy really, uh, whenever, before Austin Aries, the X Division was kind of an afterthought to me. It was kind of like the same people doing the same moves. But there was no, there was no like character that could really symbolize that division. Enter Austin Aries at Destination X. They gave, they, I, I want to say they even went as far as hot shotting him to the title. And that's one of those things where I was like, you know what? I'm, I hate when people hotshot, like we talked about with Gail Kim, mm. but hotshotting with Austin Aries at the TNA championship or X Division championship, I have no problems at all because he has personality to go with the talent. Exactly. He's the most, as we said, you know, he's the most TV ready guy I've ever seen to just appear on, T- to appear on TNA or to mm. be put in the main focus of him because he knows how to work to the camera. He can sell that personality, something fierce. He's able to get the heel heat, uh, Crowder into everything he's doing he's made to be a champion and I'm glad TNA have done that and from his debut he's just been the most consistent worker next to AJ Styles in my opinion in TNA yeah um mm-hmm. and I agree with every point you've made there oh, thank you thank you um another one and this is my little joking one is uh Vince Russo is no longer head writer <laughs> that's got to be good for something right oh yeah yeah but you know the bad thing about that is you have no one to point to blame it anymore you can't you don't have that devil figure to shout and go demon you know demon russo demon russo you know jim Cornette can't blame uh bad tna products on vince russo anymore so uh but bruce pritchard uh is i believe the head writer tna he was a brother love in those wwf eras days and I don't think he's doing a bad job with um, the main event scene right now. But, um, but as long as they, – they can't blame Russo for anything anymore as, because he's no longer the start-all, end-all of the writing department. Well, there's an interesting point. You really couldn't blame Russo anyway. Yeah, you can't blame time. him for Jeff Hardy getting stoned out of his mind at the main event. No, like, okay. Realistically, you can't blame him for the past two or three years because right. he's – written stuff but he didn't have the final say Hogan and Bischoff did so they could have vetoed it but they didn't yeah. it's just Russo's been that figure for a long time where you can just right. blame him <laughs> you know so yeah right right <laughs> it is the best in a way that we can change the dialogue a little bit now in 2012 now yeah can't blame him anymore people no. can't blame him you have to shouldn't him. blame him because to me it's it is um if you're with more than one person, you cannot blame that person completely for a bad product. No, no, not at all. It that's takes bad. more than one. And that's it. Mm-hmm. But so don't blame Russo anymore, people. And I'm sure if Dave Stevens was listening to this, he'd be happy. I'm standing up for the guy now. I stood up for Vince Russo since we started taping these shows on WrestleView. <laughs> Uh, to, as, you know, to an extent as well, it's not just him. It's a concerted effort to be bad. Yeah. But um, moving on here, my one, mm-hmm. of course, what we've already talked about is Destination X. Yeah. Consistently, top to bottom, the best TNA pay-per-view of the year. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'd even go as far as say as probably in the top 10 pay-per-views of the year, full stop. I can't, I can't argue with that. I think, um, so <laughs> thanks, <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. No problem, Mr. V. And, you know, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to come on and uh, look at the year in review because we've had a, a great time here. You know, anytime you come on the show, it's always a treat. 
Um, we love what you're doing on the Recipe Radio Network. Your column is always outstanding. Uh, look for, looking forward to now to uh, reading through the Golden Yardsticks, and we'll definitely have you on in 2012, hopefully as much, or if not more, than we had um, on 2011. So thank you very much again, sir. All right, folks, so that's going to do it for this edition of the Wrestling Rewind here on Phoenix on FM. If you want the full show, there's two ways you're going to be able to get it. Join us live at 11.30 p.m., 6.30 p.m. Eastern over on the Wrestling Rewind YouTube channel. The WrestlingRewind.com will get you there and you can uh, join the chat and uh, join in on the fun. Also, if you want, you can check us out on the podcast. The podcast um, can be got from our, our channel, Nerd to Know Media. You can subscribe there or you can go to the Two Penny channel uh, or the Two Penny Show channel and you'll be able to get it there for free no cost to you and there's a whole bunch of content there as well but thank you for checking us out here on Phoenix 92.5 FM the wrestling we'll see you next week thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production 